Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hey everybody, real quick, I forgot to mention a couple of things. First up, I'm going to be on Allison Sheridan's show, Chit Chat Across the Pond. I believe it's next week or the week after, but go to podfeet.com and you can sign up uh, to subscribe to Chit Chat Across the Pond. And we're going to be talking about electric vehicles that are under $30,000. And one of the vehicles I've never even talked about on this show before. So I think you're th- I, I going to think it's pretty cool. And it won't be replayed on this show. So the only way to listen to it is to go to podfeet.com and subscribe to Chit Chat Across the Pond. The other thing is you should check out True North EVs podcast, uh, which is hosted by James. He's a supporter of this show. I want to support him. I love James. Uh, he's a really good person, and he's been with this show probably since episode one. Uh, I don't know exactly when he uh, started listening, but I know it was early on because he was one of the first emails that I've ever gotten uh, from a listener. And then the third thing is uh, a couple months ago, Bruce R. Cordell has one of the coolest jobs, uh, I think, ever. He is an author, and I've mentioned his books on this show before, but he also writes tabletop role-playing games. And he, along with Shauna Germain, wrote a game, uh, a tabletop game called First Responders. It's actually a role-playing game, I should say. And one of the scenarios, or maybe it was two of the scenarios, in this uh, role-playing game is uh, an electric vehicle that's on fire. And he based how uh, you handle the situation on what he learned from this show. I actually ordered the book. It was canceled at one point. I ordered it again. And I finally got it. Um, I ordered it. Uh, I tried to order it when it first came out. This is how hard it is to get this book. So I would highly suggest checking it out. Um, in September, I plan on, uh, I have to learn how to play it, but in September, I plan on having Sierra and Brad over and maybe my kids and playing this role playing game for the first time. I'm really looking forward to it. So. Thanks, Bruce. I am very honored that you did that, or that you mentioned that you did that. Anyway, go out and buy it. It's called First Responders. It's got a picture of a a bad old firefighter carrying a lady out of uh, what looks like uh, some sort of uh, 
rubble with like a steel beam and stuff and the other firefighters running into the building it's pretty cool anyway let's go ahead and start the show Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host, and I have a very big show planned for you this week. It was actually supposed to go out on Friday because Friday, August 5th, is the sixth year anniversary of this podcast, and I was so stoked to get this thing out on Friday. On uh, What we're going to talk about today is the Tesla annual shareholders meeting, and that was on Thursday, August 4th, and the plan was... I was when when the shareholders meeting was finished, which I watched in real time, I was going to chop it up and provide a show for you that would be out on the morning of Friday, August 5th. And then after shortly after dinner time last night or on Thursday night, I started feeling like I had a migraine and I was like, okay, I can do this in the morning. I, I'll do this on Friday morning and I'll get it out because I wake up at 530 in the morning. And then uh, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning on Friday, feeling pretty good. Still had a little bit of the, the migraine, but not not too bad. And I walked downstairs to feed the cats. And guess what? There was water all over my floor. Our refrigerator broke. So cleaned up the water, started moving things to the freezer that could go to the freezer, called the repair person, the whole bit. And then uh, the outlet that the freezers plugged into uh got wonky. So I had to replace the outlet the freezer went to. Anyway, the whole thing was is Friday did not turn out very well at all. I said a lot of bad words uh, because it was just a really stressful day. And then at uh, 4.30, the migraine was full blown and I was I couldn't do anything at that point. So unfortunately, I had to, to put it off till today. And then I woke up this morning, still had a migraine, it really hasn't gone away until it, it's kind of still there. It mostly went away about six o'clock this afternoon or this evening, which is good because I don't like having migraines. I only I get them once every couple of months and they hang around for like three days and they're just not a pleasant thing to, to be a part of. Anyway, my whole point is this is the sixth year anniversary of this podcast. I am so pleased that I get to do this podcast. I am so pleased that it actually lasted this long because, you know, when you start something, you don't realize how hard it's going to be. And doing a podcast is actually pretty hard. Uh, not because, not because you have to have some great talent because obviously I don't, but the amount of work that goes into it in terms of researching and recording and then also doing the post processing stuff and then following up with folks and, and scheduling interviews and actually doing the interviews, all that stuff takes a lot of time. And I was not sure, A, um, if I was going to be able to do all that stuff because I'm an introvert. And B, if I was going to be able to maintain that for a long period of time. Because there's a thing called pod fade, which is basically people um, who who do something for a little bit and then they just kind of get burned out on it. So um, I'm, I'm glad... That you've indulged me for six years. I again, uh, I appreciate everyone, everyone who has listened to the show, even if you don't anymore, and you're never going to hear this. I still appreciate you. Uh, if you have had a positive or a negative thought about this show, I appreciate you. If you've contributed feedback, I appreciate you. I love feedback. If you 
have joined the Patreon at any point in time, even if you're not currently a member of the Patreon, I appreciate you. Uh, I, if you've recommended the show, I don't know if I've said this point part yet. I, I appreciate it. I, if you've had even the smallest, uh, part of your life touch this show, I appreciate you. Uh, cause it means a lot, especially, uh, sometimes it feels very lonely to do a podcast. If I could be vulnerable for a second, sometimes you think you're putting out garbage shows like three or four garbage shows in a row, or at least me, I'll speak for me. And then somebody emails you and says, Hey man, I I really thought you did a really good job on this episode. And I thought that episode was crap. And this has happened multiple times. It keeps me going and I appreciate you. I am not, I'm not fishing for compliments. I'm not a person that lives on compliments. I just want to let you know that you as the listener matter to me. And I appreciate what you do, even if it's just listening to the show. I appreciate it. Now, I do need to give a shout out and a thanks to our patrons because our patrons help keep this show moving. Um, it costs money to do this show. And if you want to have a RSS feed that doesn't have any ads in it, you can become a Patreon. Patron, excuse me, you go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com to do that. If you don't want to, that's totally fine. The show will still be free with ads. But I only ask for a dollar. And a dollar is not a lot when Patreon takes their fees out. But my hope is is that more people will help out, support, and join to to pay for the show. Because the ads, I'm going to be honest with you, the ads don't pay as much as you might think they would. They actually pay a very small amount of money. Um, and this show runs in the red. So if you want to join the Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt. I'd appreciate it. If not, look around. Go there, look around. There's free stuff to look at that you don't even have to pay for. All right. So I am going to thank everybody who listens to the show. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to go from our longest listeners to our current. So let me see here. Did we get new patrons? Hold on. This is a uh, really bad radio. All right. I had to stop and actually look. Uh, we did not get new patrons, but Patreon just changed a bunch of stuff around. So it looked like we got some new patrons. Maybe we got some new people following the show. And if you are following the show, you you can do that without having to pay anything. You don't get access to the ad free. But thank you for that. All right, so let's get on with this. Uh, I would like to thank James, Mark, Nate, Cameron, Don, Dale, Sierra, Chris, Chip, Karen, Ryan, Tommaso, Rolando, Elon Muskie, Bruce C., Jessica Kirsch, who we might actually hear from today because I think she gave, she had a question for Elon at the earnings call. Howard, Anthony, Isaiah, Bruce W., Neil, Steve, Jeffrey, Jerbo, Joseph, Friendly Sleet 66, Andrew Fairservice, and uh, that's it. Thank you for everybody who's supporting the show. And for the, for the folks that sat through this, thank you. I really appreciate that. I know I've rambled on for seven minutes. I tried to stop doing that, but it's the sixth anniversary of the show. I'm going to ramble a little bit. All right, let's get into Tesla's annual shareholders meeting here. It was held in Ant it was <laughs> it was held in Austin, Texas at the Gigafactory there. 
this was two hours long, and we're not gonna, <laughs> we're not going to take two hours to go through this whole um, annual shareholders meeting. Uh, but I am going to try and give you like the fun and interesting highlights. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to Robin Denholm, which is Tesla's chair uh, for the board. And Robin's just kind of going to give her annual update. So let's go ahead and listen to that. So thank you, Martin, and good afternoon, everyone. It's my great pleasure to welcome you all to Tesla's 2022 annual shareholder meeting. And I am delighted that we are here in person again this year, and I'm also really thrilled to see so many of you with us today here in Giga, Texas, in Austin. And so because we know that not everyone can join us in person, we would need a very large stadium to actually have everyone. Uh, and because we have a lot of investors as well around the country and around the planet, we actually have uh, also uh, got a lot of shareholders online today. And I'd like to welcome them to this meeting as well. So a big welcome to all of our virtual attendees. like to thank our amazing investors and acknowledge you because without you, um, we would not be here today. It is because of your support that we have become the company that we are and that we have been able to make so much progress against our mission of accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy. Last year alone, our global fleet of vehicles, energy storage and solar panels enabled our customers to avoid emitting 8.4 million metric tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions. And to put that in context, that means that we avoided emissions by using Tesla products last year. It was the equivalent of driving gas-powered cars for 20 billion miles, and that is 20 billion with a B. And as, as you all know, that we are still in the very early phases of this transition. And as I mentioned last year, by 2030, we aim to sell 20 million electric vehicles per annum. And we're making great progress towards achieving this goal. In June of this year, we achieved the highest vehicle production month in our history, despite supply headwinds and despite the shutdowns in Shanghai. And we continue to ramp our factories both here in Austin as well as in Germany. And most people know Tesla for our cars, but we are also making a great big impact with our solar and energy storage business as well. Last year alone, Tesla sold four gigawatt hours of energy storage products. That represents enough energy to power three million homes. Tesla's energy storage deployments have nearly quadrupled in the last four years. And last year represented over 15% of the gigawatt hours globally. Over the past decade, Tesla's solar panels have generated more electricity than has been consumed by our factories and by all of the Tesla cars fleet on the road combined. 
So in theory, today, all US domestic electricity needs, as well as the vehicle and transportation needs, could be met by solar power alone. We're also continuously working on reducing the cost of our solar and storage products in order to foster mass adoption. Using renewable energy sources like solar and wind with battery storage, it's fast becoming the cheapest energy option available. And as we continue to bring our costs down, more consumers will be able to not only have a positive impact on the environment, but it will also make economic sense from an, uh, to use renewable energy. As we discussed in our uh, impact report, we're constantly working to improve not only the positive impact of our products, but also to reduce the energy and water consumption that we are using in our manufacturing process. In fact, our goal is to be, is for all of our factories to be carbon neutral. And to that end, we are continuously innovating for energy efficiency by building increasingly sustainable factories, covering our rooftops with solar panels, leveraging AI to reduce the energy consumption, and utilising renewable energy as much as possible throughout all of our operations. In our newest factories, we already use less water per vehicle than most, almost any other traditional car maker. And we are continuously exploring ways to reduce water further throughout our operations, including optimising and eliminating processes that are water intensive, harvesting rainwater, and also reusing reclaimed and recycled water. Sustainability is our main driver and motivator. It drives everything that we do. It drives our values and our mission as a company. It drives all of our employees, our shareholders, our customers, and it underscores everything that we do as directors. This month marks my eighth anniversary as a director at Tesla. And I, along with my fellow board members, many of whom are here today and online, who are here uh, with us today, and we could not be more proud to serve as your board, to help ensure that the framework of governance needed to succeed in our mission. Our governance model has enabled us to remain focused on making decisions that matter often bold decisions that unlock growth potential. Decisions like engineering and manufacturing EVs from the ground up, rather than being just a supplier of components. By building the world's largest lithium-ion battery factory uh, today, and so that we can scale our operations efficiently. Making investments in an international network of stores, service centres and supercharging stations to expand customer convenience and access. And we remain dedicated to advancing your interests, your shareholder interests, and firmly believe that good governance is a hallmark of sustainability. Driving long-term value, protecting shareholder interests and ensuring our actions are aligned with our values.
Thank you. And as directors, we listen to and value your voice and, and input. And whether it be by submitting comments and questions during our earnings calls or communicating with us through our board portal or attending and interacting with us at events like this uh, and this shareholder meeting today, I'm excited also to announce that we have recently launched a new shareholder platform to facilitate your interaction with management, participating in company events, and receiving information directly relevant to you as a shareholder. You'll be hearing more updates on this platform in the near future. Once, thank you. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank you for your support and for continuing to be our partner along this incredible and important journey. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank all of Tesla's amazing employees around the world. You are the lifeblood of all of our achievements as a company. You're phenomenal. All right. I don't have a lot to add here. Um, 45,000 people virtually attended when I was watching this originally on Thursday. And I don't know how many people have seen that since then, but uh, it was con pretty consistent around 45,000 people when I checked. She went over their energy business, which I think um, is phenomenal. They've saved over 20 billion miles of CO2. Like if you were to drive an ICE vehicle, 20 billion miles, that's how much CO2 they've, they've saved over the years or greenhouse emissions. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly how she put it. And then by 2030, they want to produce 20 million cars a year, which is insane. When I first started this podcast, Tesla, you know, was producing a handful of cars a quarter. And, you know, I, I think I can remember when they hit like 60 or 70,000 cars. Um, I, that was a big deal in a year. So right now, you know, I think they're at, uh, 3 billion produced total and 2 million of that or something like that has been this year. I think Elon mentions this later. So the next part of the presentation is the proposals. And initially, I was going to play the proposals that I thought were interesting. But here's the thing. Um, when Martin Viega, when he reads out the proposal, he says this is, you know, so-and-so, and their proposal is that we should have an annual report on, I'm just going to give an example, uh, efforts to reduce discrimination, which was roughly one of the proposals. Um, Tesla just says, we recommend you vote. Normally it's against it, but they might recommend you vote for or against it, depending on what it is. If it's their proposals in this annual shareholders meeting this year in 2022, they recommended that you pro vote for it. However, if it's a proposal from a shareholder, it's very rare that they actually recommend that you vote for it. So my, my problem with this is that the person who has to um, submit the proposal, they, you know, they give a little three minute presentation on why shareholders should vote for it. And Tesla, all they have to say in the shareholder meeting is we recommend you vote against it. Now, Tesla does give a written explanation as to why you should vote against it. But what I'm afraid that happens all too often is that shareholders see that Tesla recommends, the board recommends against 
voting for it. Therefore, they don't vote for it. They vote a nay instead of actually reading it. So I think what I'm going to do, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to do this, but I might put all those proposals together and then I might actually go read why Tesla's against something and then present that data to you. Does this sound like an interesting show to you? If it does, email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. If it doesn't, then I won't put the effort into it. But if if one person says, hey, this this actually might be interesting, email me and I'll, I'll do it for you. Um, or for the show. But if nobody thinks this is going to be interesting, then I'll just move on. Anyway, since we're moving past the proposals, the next part is uh, Elon. Elon's going to give his little presentation. So let's listen to Elon's opening remarks. All right. So let's see. I'll go over, kind of recount the year. It's been an amazing year. The Tesla team has done amazing work. Um, and I have to say, like, one of the things that uh, I was like, what do you enjoy most in life? I really, uh, being able to work with a super talented group of people and to create great products and pr- manufacture those products and deliver them to people and make people happy from those products, um, is, is that, that's the, one of the best things in life. Um, so... So yeah, I'd just like to say what an honor it is to work with such a talented team at, at Tesla, and that's the reason we've been able to do all these things. So um, yeah, we're aiming to achieve a 2 million vehicle run rate by the end of the year. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks to the, the hard work of the Tesla team, we've already been able to achieve a 1.5 million unit annualized run rate, um, and depending on how the, the rest of this year goes, we, I think we might get close to, or we'll get approximately uh, at, at the 1.5 million mark, um, and, and be exiting the year at a, a 2 million unit run rate. And, um, and then also worth noting, uh, just recently, in the last uh, a few weeks, we made our 3 millionth car. It's pretty wild to think, like, uh, 10 years ago, where things were. You know, uh, 10 years, August uh, 2012, um, we'd, uh, we'd made 2,500 roadsters, and I think maybe a couple hundred Model S's-ish, <laughs> but less than 3,000 cars. So 10 years ago, we'd made less than, than 3,000 cars, and uh, here we stand 10 years later having made over 3 million all right, a little correction on my part here. They haven't made 2 million cars yet. They think they'll end the year with 2 million cars. They've made it a million and a half cars prior to 2022, and then they've made a million and a half cars in 2022, which gives them a total of 3 million cars, you know, somewhere north of that number. I do need to say there was a lot of cheering. It's like a, a rock concert uh, when Elon shows up on stage. So there was quite a bit of cheering from the crowd. Um, at some point, I it wasn't in the clips that I cut out, but at some point during the presentation, someone tells Elon, they, they yell up, you know, take off your shirt, which is reference to him in Greece or wherever he was with his shirt off. Um, I cut a lot of that stuff out because, uh, you know, this is going to be a very long presentation. And if I didn't, it would be even longer. So... The third clip that we have today is someone in the crowd asks Elon about FSD beta 10.13, which isn't out yet, but is very close and is supposed to be a big update. So let's go ahead and listen to that. So, uh, cause it's 10.13 we've been working on for a while and, um, 
And actually, what's sort of happened is we've we've uh, we've made some pretty significant uh, architectural improvements. Um, so it's really going to be more than a 10.12 to 10.13 release. It, it might I don't want to speak too soon. It might qualify for 10.69. <laughs> so it's got, it's got to earn that. Obviously, uh, you can't just throw that out, you know. Um, but it's it's it's. Um, there's a lot of a lot of improvements, um, and especially in uh, complex uh, left turns. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, we were, we're going to solve Chuck's turn. Yes, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we we have a lot of respect for valid criticism. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, so. Um, I, 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 th- I think we're at roughly 90% success rate with, with your turn. So, <laughs> yeah, we're almost at 100. So, um, so it's, it's looking good. And, um, yeah, so, I, I mean, I'm hopeful. It might, might, it might be a week, next week. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, two weeks. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's working well for me. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, team, teams like working literally seven days a week um, and, and making uh, ma- major improvements. And it's really interesting because we're effectively solving an important aspect of artificial intelligence, uh, real-world uh, AI for self-driving, which... Uh, when you think about it, it kind of is what, what's needed to solve the to solve self-driving. Because h- how is the road system designed? It's designed for a biological neural net and eyes. And so naturally, the thing that would therefore work the silicon analog is cameras and uh, silicon neural nets. Um, and and so sort of sort of by accident, we're actually solving an important, I think, very useful uh, element of artificial intelligence. And um, I definitely want uh, people out there, you know, talented people who are working on AI to consider working at Tesla, because I think we're solving just a very important part of AI and one that can ultimately save millions of lives and uh, prevent tens of millions of serious injuries um, by by driving just an an order of magnitude safer than than people. and, you know, there used to be a time back in the day where we'd have, yeah, it's, this is super important. Um, so, I mean, there used to be a time when we'd have elevator operators, and it was normal to have elevator operators and have like a big relay and stuff. But you know, every can't every now and again you make a mistake and shear somebody in half. So, then I'd be like, oh, okay. Then we went to automated elevators, and you press a button and you go to your floor, and it just works. Um, and, and that's kind of how it's going to be in the future with cars. Okay. So, uh, I haven't been in a Tesla using FSD beta in a while. So admittedly, but holy smokes, is it terrifying to take a left turn onto a busy road using FSD? It is, it is scary. Um, Elon, Elon really likes to use that elevator operator example. I've, I, I, I don't know. I've, 
he he's got to have said it at least ten times or fifteen times that I know of in different presentations. Sometimes the 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 elevator operator gets sleepy. Sometimes he's drunk. Sometimes he's not paying attention. Um, but man, I think it's been in every shareholders meeting that I've been covering. You know, um, and I think it's a good example. However, elevators go up, they go down, they stop. There's not a lot that they do in between. I'm not an elevator expert, but you know. Just based on my experience with elevators, that's what they do. I'm not saying they're not more complicated than that. I'm just saying they don't have a whole lot of, they don't need to take a whole lot more input than the three things, up, down, stop. So it's a little easier to solve when you compare it to all of the chaos that happens outside of that elevator shaft in the world. There's a lot of things that go on. That's very hard to solve. And I hope uh, I hope Tesla solves it. I'm really looking forward to having full self-driving, although I don't know if I'm going to have full self-driving, but we'll get into that later. I'm really looking forward to having full self-driving in a vehicle at some point, whether it's Tesla's or somebody else's. I'm glad they're making advances is really what I'm trying to say here, but I don't think they're as close as Elon says they are because I've fallen for this before and I've been burned every time I've fallen for it. So I would rather be burned for not falling for it this time than burned for falling for it. Does that make sense? Next up, we're going to hear from Elon and how Tesla feels about legacy automakers getting into the EV market. You know, when we started out here, um, obviously we were told, we were told electric cars were, were impossible. And even if Really, if you could make a, you know an electric car with a couple hundred miles range, then nobody would buy it anyway because people just love gasoline cars. So, um, you know, when we started out, uh, it was it was dumb to, dumb to start a car company and then dumb squared to do an electric car company. Um, and we were told, you know, you're never going to make money, etc. And we didn't for a while, but now we have the highest operating margin in the whole industry. So. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Exactly. Um, exactly. Tesla is not just a car company. Tesla is many companies in one. And we're as much a, a software company as we are a hardware company. Um, so, and that's just really going to be obviously essential for the future. Um, and software, both in the car and obviously with neural net training, but also software in the factory as well. So you can think of the factory as a uh, you know, giant cybernetic collective. So a factory is just an enormous cybernetic collective of humans and machines and software. And the, the better the software is, the better that cybernetic collective works. I don't think other OEMs think like that. <laughs> but it's, that's what it is. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, competition among electric vehicles. But really, uh, it's, it's the, the EVs are, electric vehicles are taking a market share from gasoline cars. So, yeah. So, the, uh, and, and from a Tesla standpoint, we obviously welcome this, and we're, we're very excited to see that uh, the big car companies are embracing electric vehicles. Uh, if you were to re- rewind their press releases to five years ago, that was not the case. Uh, they were, you know, say, not saying nice things about electric vehicles five five years ago. Um, but now, uh, I believe almost every major uh, car company in the world has embraced electri- electrification and ha- agrees that it is the right path. And uh, this is really what we set out to do with Tesla. Um, you know, it was not to, like, to, you know, get maximum market share or anything. It was really to try to get the, to show the auto industry that it was possible uh, to go electric and that if you made compelling electric cars, people would buy them. And, um, and, and that's, that's what's happened. And I think that's really profound. So, yeah. Um, also, when, when our competitors advertise for electric vehicles, every time they do that, our sales go up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. It's, 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 it's pretty funny. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, but, but we do, uh, we, we have open sourced all our patents so they can use our patents for free. And so we're, you know, helping out. And I think it's sort of a mutual prosperity thing and it's, it's good. So. I agree with Elon 100% on this. All right. Uh, just some things. I skipped a clip because it was really long and basically the most important information out of it was Tesla plans on doing a total of 10 to 12 gigafactories. That's their goal as of right now over, you know, a long period of time, obviously not in a year. And Tesla is close to announcing another gigafactory location. I heard somebody say Arizona. I know just from things that I saw on Twitter, Hector Ramos is there. And hopefully that was Hector who said that. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, Arizona would be a great place. Bring a gigafactory here, Elon. That'd be awesome. I have a sneak and suspicion it'll probably be somewhere 
you know, in Canada, possibly somebody threw that out there and Elon did say that he's part Canadian or it might be somewhere on the East coast or the Eastern part of Canada. Uh, if I had to guess, but our next clip from Elon is going to be about, you know, the, the FUD, the misinformation around electric vehicles. So let's go ahead and listen to that. With respect to, you know, sometimes we get this sort of, uh, you know, these bogus attacks of like EVs are somehow worse than gasoline cars. Um, which is not true. Uh, the average life cycle emissions of, of an EV are dramatically lower than that of a gasoline car. I'm kind of telling you things you already know. Um, but, uh, you know, every now and again you think, surely this nonsense has been put to bed, but it, it, uh, it pops up again. But it's obviously electric cars is dramatically lower uh, CO2 lifetime than, than, any, uh, than, a, than a gasoline car. Um, so, anyway, that's kind of obvious. Now, now this, this is a thing that I think is super cool. Um, if you add up all the energy produced over the last 10 years by uh, Tesla solar panels, uh, it is more energy than was used to manufacture all of our cars and charge all of our cars at superchargers and at home. This is... I mean, this is like... And, and I mean, the, the, the mission of Tesla is to accelerate sustainability. And the, I think this, this is really a, amazing, you know. Um, more energy produced than was used in making the car or, and charging them all, all over billions of miles. So, and we're going to keep, obviously, increasing uh, our solar activity and, uh, and vehicles and, um, and try to keep, keep these on par. Um, because the, the three elements of a sustainable energy future uh, uh, sustainable energy production, primarily with solar and wind, and then uh, stationary battery packs uh, to store the the, uh, the sustainable energy because of its wind and solar are intermittent, intermittent, and then uh, electric transport. And if you have those three pillars, you have a fully sustainable future. Um, and yeah, so that's it's, it's yeah. So. And obviously, battery packs are various recy- recyclable. They are, you can think of it like high-grade ore. Do, do you want to, you know, crunch up a bunch of rocks or crunch up a battery pack, which is like super high-grade ore? So it's a no-brainer to uh, recycle battery packs. And um, we are already recycling. I should point this out. So sometimes people wonder what's happening. We're already recycling uh, at over 50 a week uh, in, um, in Nevada. So Tesla battery recycling is already uh, underway, has been underway, and is scaling up. Um, now, cars are lasting quite a long time, so there's not that many batteries to actually recycle uh, because you kind of have to typically wait like 12 years or something, like quite a long time before the battery actually uh, is no longer useful, um, sometimes 15 years. So recycling starts off small, but then it becomes very significant long term. I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has been involved in some level or another uh, in an argument with a friend or just somebody that you met at a party or a relative uh, that says that EVs are dirtier than ICE vehicles. And the fact is, we all know that that's not true just by the fact that uh, even if your vehicle is powered by coal, power, right? The, the, you get your electricity from a coal plant or a natural gas plant. The electric vehicle is more 
um, efficient. The electric motor is more efficient than the gas motor. And then on top of that, gas is incredibly energy dense, but it only uses something like 12 to 30% of the energy that's stored in that fuel when you burn it in an ICE vehicle. And that's according to fueleconomy.gov. So it's a U.S. government website. So, you know, 88 to, did I do that right? Yeah, 88 to 70% of the energy stored in that gasoline isn't even being used. It's just being wasted. And only 12 to 30% of that energy from the gasoline is, is being turned into power. So we know that electricity is, is more efficient than that. And we know that there's a time, you know, a payback time before your EV is going to be cleaner than an ICE vehicle, but eventually it is. And when electric vehicles first came out, they, they were like, you know, the battery packs aren't going to last that long. Two or three years, you're going to need a new battery pack, and then they're just going to fill up the landfills. Well, right now, Tesla is saying, you know, we can recycle 50 battery packs a week, which is only 200 battery packs a month. It's not very many uh, battery packs. I mean, EVs are in their infancy, and uh, actually, that's a point that I'd like to make. EVs are in their infancy, and they're still better than ICE vehicles over time. And they're going to only get better over time. Um, if you can imagine where we are now and how much better EVs are for the environment and then how much more efficient they are than gasoline vehicles, in 10 years, it's going to be an order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude better than it is now or even more than that. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Uh, I'm not even a person that can say scientist. Anyway, let's go ahead and move on to our next clip, which is all about uh, thinking. I forgot to add this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting this in after. It's all about uh, rethinking how a car is made. So let's go ahead and listen. Uh, in addition to battery advancements and, and uh, electronics advancements and AI, we've also done a lot to simplify the structure of cars to make it easier to manufacture and one of the things we've done is uh, create the, the largest castings uh, that have ever been done. Um, and they're very complex castings. And so we're able to take uh, 171 pieces of metal and uh, go from 171 pieces to two. Um, and in the process, make it lighter, uh, stiffer, uh, with better ride handling, better noise vibration and harshness, uh, better uh, sealing against uh, water. Uh, so it's really better in every way. So, and we're going to keep enhancing the, the, the casting. So this is a testament to our materials team and to our, a lot of casting technology. So we're really rethinking the whole way in which a car is made. And it's a, yeah, it's a gigantic improvement. Um, we have, at this point, from going from, say, Model Yes, or even Model 3, we're at about 30% of the robots used for Model 3, for a current Model Y. So, yeah. Um, we've also improved the uh, layout of the factory. So the factory is sort of a, it's sort of a single, mon well, close to a single monolithic factory uh, with a very straightforward flow. Um, Fremont, we, we do a lot in Fremont, but the flow is complex, and, and, and uh, it's, it's not, not an easy flow. So we're really rethinking the factory. Um, and I, I think if the, the, like the really long-term sustainable advantage of Tesla will be manufacturing. 
I've mentioned this before, but uh, obviously everyone will have electric cars. All manufacturers will have electric cars. Um, and uh, eventually, it'll probably take longer than they think, but eventually all cars will be self-driving. Um, and the thing that will be hardest to replicate is uh, Tesla's manufacturing technology. So this is actually very important for, from a long-term standpoint. You know, when thinking about the competitiveness of companies, especially if the companies are technology companies, uh, I recommend looking at where the smartest engineers want to work. This is, wherever the the smartest engineers want to work, that's going to be, that that technology company is going to be the one that uh, is likely to succeed. Um, just like if it's a pro sports team, where are the ace players going? Okay, probably that team will win. Um, so we, we put a lot of effort into ensuring that the best engineers in the world want to work at, uh, at Tesla. And, and frankly, so sometimes Tesla, Tesla's number one, sometimes SpaceX number one. But um, so this is just like, like last year. Um, but, uh, and, and we do actually, for those curious and maybe want to work at either SpaceX or Tesla, uh, we do allow people to... Uh, move from one company to the other if they would like. So if you want to spend a better time working on electric vehicles, better time spending working on rockets, you can, that, that's cool. We support that. So, yeah. I needed a little, uh, a little confidence booster, so I left the clapping in as, and pretended it was for me. Anyway, <laughs> I think that... Uh, this is a good clip. It's not a whole lot of stuff we haven't heard before, but a lot of this stuff is just Elon just kind of rehashing some of the things that we've heard on earnings calls and things like that. But I do think there was some cool things in here. First of all, uh, when he talks about the factory and kind of having a more streamlined process, the Ford Rouge plant, which I believe was the first plant that Henry Ford built, raw materials would come in one side of the building and a car would roll out on the other side. It sounds like that's what Tesla wants to do. It's just kind of like this straight linear line. Whereas the Fremont factory is, it looks like you ever been into like a mind mapping session for marketing? And I've never done this and I'm only basing this off of stock photography, but it's just like, it's like there's there's an idea in the middle and then there's a bunch of lines off shooting to a bunch of other boxes. That's what the Fremont factory looks like. It's it, nothing goes in a straight line. And that's, you know, largely because the factory was built, I believe originally for Toyota. It might have been another car company, but Tesla bought it from Toyota and it wasn't really made, uh, for the way that Tesla is making cars. So, and, and to- uh, Fremont, excuse me, is, is, packed to the gills and it takes you know you, they would have to basically disassemble everything remove everything and then put it all back in to organize it in a way that would make more sense and i just don't think that uh money wise or time wise tesla wants to do that and i don't even know if it'd make that big of a difference to be honest uh one of the things he mentions are the smartest engineers are wanting to work for Tesla and SpaceX. He had a list of like 20 names up there with Amazon, Northrop Grumman, uh, Apple, a bunch of other companies, Google Alphabet, that kind of thing. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, if true that the 
most talented engineers want to work at SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, one of the things that that was really cool is Tesla had 3 million job applications last year, which is crazy. Um, and I can kind of see why, you know, Tesla still got that prestige uh, as an engineer. If you worked at Tesla and you, then after that, you kind of want to go somewhere else, uh, a car company or another technology company, you know, you, you have that behind you that you worked at Tesla and you worked at on these cool projects. And then also if you worked at Tesla or SpaceX, you can say, yeah, I was at Tesla for three years, but then I also kind of worked at, uh, at SpaceX for like two years on this other project. And I don't know if you're still a Tesla employee and you just go work at SpaceX and you're still a SpaceX employee and you go work at Tesla, or if you actually change where you're getting your paycheck from, or they just flex you out for a little bit and then charge the other company for the flex. I don't know. Super cool, though. It gives you lots of options. And for an engineer, um, I don't know a lot of them, but I know a few of them. Uh, they need to keep their mind busy. And you, you don't want to, you know, if they're getting bored or they need another challenge, this is a good way to do that. Now, I can't remember if this was in the clip that I played for you or not, but Elon had mentioned that 99, the supercharger network had a 99.96% uptime, which I'm sure, and I get, I get messages a lot, um, for people telling me, Oh, this supercharger in this location's down or whatever. And, and I believe them. I'm not in any way, shape or form saying it. I believe them, but 99.96 is pretty good. And hopefully that's actually true. Uh, version four of the supercharger, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, should be out next year sometime according to Elon and Tesla is doubling their supercharger count every year. So if there's not a supercharger where you live now, hopefully there'll be one there next year with any luck. Uh, again, th there was a bunch of stuff we had already heard before. So I cut that out uh, to just kind of save a little bit of time. Let's go ahead and jump into the question and answer session. This one was uh, sent in electronically to Elon by Blake P. He asks, I'm assuming Blake is a man. Let's just say they ask when the Cybertruck pricing is released, will all who ordered before it was taken down be grandfathered in or have to reconfigure? When will the price be released? So what he's asking is, is everybody who ordered a Cybertruck prior to Tesla removing the prices off of their website, uh, will those people be grandfathered in to which I am one or will they have to configure? Um, and then when will the price be released? Let's go ahead and listen. Uh, uh, Cybertruck pricing, uh, it was unveiled in 2019, and the, and, and the reservation was $99. So, you know, things have, a lot has changed since then. Uh, so, so the specs and the pricing will be different. I, you know, I hate to sort of give a little bit of bad news, but I, I think there's, there's no way to sort of have, haven't, anticipated quite the inflation that we've seen and the various issues. Um, but what I can say is that the Cybertruck will be one hell of a product. And it's going to be like a damn fine machine. So, yeah. And we're all tracking to be in production um, uh, middle of next year from this factory. So that we're, installing, we're, we're going to be installing the production equipment Tooling and all uh, uh, starting uh, in the next couple of months will begin the uh, 
the installation. So aiming to be in volume production middle of next year. Okay, so Elon says, Elon says, well, we did announce pricing and uh, in 2019, and you did. You also gave a release date that was uh, not 2023. Like, it's not my fault you delayed the Cybertruck. I was not responsible for that. I put my, put my money down. Actually, it was a gift. Uh, I got it for Christmas in 2019. Somebody put $100 on a reservation for a Cybertruck for me. And then they left me holding the bag for the rest of the $57,000 for the truck, which is not much of a gift. I'm only kidding. Um, I understand. Like, I get it. Prices cost, it, it costs more money to build a vehicle. I just hope that Tesla do, does something that is that kind of helps reservation holders out because, you know, again, it's not my fault that it's delayed. Uh, it's your fault. Um, I, I should not be the, I should not have to bear all of the, the bad news because you couldn't make your, uh, promised, uh, release date. And, um, I don't care if you lose money, quite frankly, because you don't seem to care if I'm not going to get my product in a, uh, in a way that I could actually afford it. So, uh, this was, uh, I'm, I'm hoping Elon and Tesla give us more information on pricing soon, more information. They, they've had pencils down on Cybertruck for some time now. We should kind of have a, a better sense of what the truck's going to have in it at this point and, uh, what it's going to actually cost. Cause granted, you know, the original pricing was in 2019. We know that's not going to happen. But on the other side, uh, you know, they're a year away from production. They could, they have more than half a million reservation holders. At some point soon, they got to give us the price and what's actually in the truck. Cause at, at, at this point, we, we just don't know what made it, what extra things were added or any of that stuff. So, um, and I, I want to make sure Elon hears us, so send it to him. Elon, I'm glad that the Cybertruck is going to be one hell of a product. I still need to be able to afford one hell of a product. And I have, I should have bought a Model Y when I had a chance to buy a Model Y. I was like, nope, I'm going to wait for the Cybertruck. Like there was a, there was an opportunity in my life when I was like, I could buy this Model Y. And I was like, no, I'm going to wait for the Cybertruck. I really want the Cybertruck. And now I'm hosed. I don't have a Model Y and I don't have a Cybertruck. Sorry to raise my voice. All right, let's go ahead and take our first question from the audience. What a presentation. Uh, thank you, Tesla team. It's an honor to be a stockholder. Elon, I brought you the final checkpoint for SpaceX, a mini moon. Maybe little X can play with it. My name is David Guajardo. I'm a former Brownsville resident. My first suggestion is to add a new string mode option where the driver can select lazy mode and have the software accommodate between comfort, standard, and sport modes, depending on the speed the car is going. This will increase handling and safety. Second, when, the, when disengaging autopilot with the wheel, the accelerator stays on. Please fix it. Last one. Weeks ago, talking to Mr. Sam Patel at Starbase, I told him that the team should add a tab in the SpaceX website and disclose what type of skills and preparation are going to be needed from us to accomplish the greatest adventure ever, ever in human history, going to Mars. All right, well, but, but thanks for the suggestions. Those, those are good suggestions. Thank you. 
I agree 100%. Those are great suggestions. I would like to learn more about lazy mode. Uh, I wish they would have asked a follow-up question as to what exactly do you mean by lazy mode? Uh, Give us some more information on that. Let's go ahead and get to the next question. All right. Uh, Sure. Hi. So I do actually have a question, (laughs) but one thing (laughs) that I want to, to ask is, like, People ask you all the questions. What do you think people miss and should be excited way more about? And what do you think people are fretting way too much about and shouldn't be worried at all? Yeah, that's actually that's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think actually the, the questions uh, and ideas posed by uh, uh, retail investors, like small retail investors, like I think many of you in the audience, are actually the most insightful. Um, and it's, I find it remarkable that, um, you know, essentially amateur, like n- n- normal everyday people actually <laughs> understand Tesla better than the analysts. I mean, how much you must see this as like... <laughs> that's like... <laughs> And, and I mean, I think like you know, to really say like, well, like, what's the, what's the what's the point of a, co- a company is the point of a company is to create useful products and services. You know, a company is not should not exist in and of itself. It exists. It's 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 a group of people gathered together to make uh, products and services. And if those products and services are great, it's a valuable and useful company. And if they're not, it's there's not. And so, really, to understand a company, you must use its products. And if you think the products are great, then it's well. The company's great. That's it. That, that, that's how it is. Um, and so I, I think, ironically, a lot of the peop- people that, that sort of professional analysts don't drive Teslas. So I'm like, well, okay, you know, maybe you should. <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, we, I mean, we aim to have, make Tesla the most amount of fun you can have in a car, you know? All right. So I agree with Elon. The analysts don't really understand Tesla on the same way that retail investors understand Tesla because these people who who are not everybody but the people who are retail investors are a fan of the company and they have a vested in interest in the company succeeding outside of that financial interest analysts don't care they want to make their money so they want to ask questions in a way that gets them an answer that they can jot down and they can make money. Analysts, they they don't care, not to say individually they don't care, but their job is not to care so much about how fun the car is to drive. Their, their job is to look forward into that next quarter, or even the quarter after that, and a, a little bit more long-term, and to make recommendations to, like, people who buy stocks and stuff. I, I don't know what exactly an analyst does. They do analyst things. But anyway, that's not their job to care about Tesla. It, the people who own Tesla stock or a large percentage of them, they care about Tesla because they care about the mission. They love the products and Elon's a cult of personality and all that stuff. So it's not, a, it's not exactly the same thing. And I do agree with Elon about the short-term issues, not to worry about them so much. Uh, a lot of people get bogged down in that. And, you know, there's lots of things going on in life. Uh, a hiccup here and there is difficult to deal with. And my wife and I are dealing with this at the moment because we've had not relationship problems, but we just had things come up that we were not expecting, mostly financial, uh, things breaking and such. Um, 
animals dying, for instance, is very expensive. Uh, but all these things have kind of come up in uh, the last since like May. And it just seems like every month cars breaking every month. There's a new thing that we're paying between 300 and $2,000. It's either 300 or 2000. That's what the bill is. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I get it, but it's temporary and it'll pass. And then, you know, you can move on. Um, he, he had more to his answer, but I cut a lot of it out cause it just kind of, it wasn't really adding anything to the conversation. So we're going to, this next clip I think is actually really good. So let's go ahead and listen to that one. Hi, Elon. A lot of Tesla's products today focus on electrical energy for sustainable future. Do you foresee uh, Tesla perhaps exploring thermal energy sustainable products other than HVAC? Like, say, for example, in this gigafactory, taking the residual heat from the gigapresses and applying them to, say, the drying ovens in your paint line? Um, yeah, I think um, get, getting um, dual use of, like, if, if you use electricity to do something and then it generates heat and then you're transporting that heat elsewhere within the factory, it's, it's, it's probably a good idea to, to do that, actually. Um, it, it, it is a it, an, sort of, I would say, a future optimization, but, but it is probably something worth doing in the factory. And it is something we do in the car. So in the car, we carefully manage uh, the, the electrical and the thermal energy and so, like, one of the ways that uh, we achieve a, a long range in cold weather is uh, by both charging the pack and heating the pack. And then the pack acts as a, both an electrical and a thermal reservoir to achieve long range even in very cold climates. Um, and so we're constantly, sh- within the car, shuttling uh, heat back and forth between motor, driver, motor power electronics, pack, and the cabin volume. So that same concept should be applied to, to a factory. I agree. Yeah. This is something that I think a lot of manufacturers are looking at doing. Um, as I go through and I read about these companies that are building up plants, the, this energy goes somewhere, this thermal energy, how are they going to recapture that and make their factories more efficient? So I'm hundred percent on board with this mission. Our next clip, we're going to hear uh, a question from, his name is Gary Black, I think. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, he's going to ask about succession, like who takes over for Elon when Elon, you know, moves on. So let's go ahead and listen to that. I'm Gary Black, managing partner of the Future Fund. Tesla is our largest position. Probably the thing we worry about most. It's not not PR, but it's uh, <laughs> it's succession. So you know, key man risk is a big thing. How does how does the board think about your succession, and especially when you have, you know, a judge is going to decide in a couple months whether or not you have to take over Twitter. How would you split your time? <laughs> um, well, I think Tesla is definitely gathering a lot of momentum, and we have a very exciting product roadmap uh, that will last a long time. Um, so. Now, obviously, execution against the, that roadmap is, is difficult because these are not simple products. They're not copies of what anyone else is doing. They're new things. Um, so, but I intend to stay with Tesla as long as I can be useful. Um, and, um, you know, I can be most useful, I think, on the product design and, and manufacturing. So basically, factory design, product design, um, and... Uh, 
sort of manufacturing optimization. So, um, and we, we, we do have a very talented team here. So I think, uh, I think Tesla, you know, would continue to do very well even if uh, I was kidnapped by aliens. <laughs> or or went, went back to my home planet, maybe. <laughs> uh, but, so, yeah. Um, but, no, I, th- I think it's, it's a good question. And I, I, to be frank, I don't have a, an easy answer. Uh, open to ideas. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely working as hard as I can. And, um, and I'm very excited about the future of the company. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, got, a, it's got a very bright, very bright future, uh, even without me. Um, so, uh, and I'm, I'm not leaving, so, uh, to be clear. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, I, I obviously have to be a little careful about what I say with about Twitter because uh, you know this is like lawsuit and stuff. Um, so sometimes people get bent out of shape. Um, but I, I, I do use Twitter a lot, so it's not like I would, I'm like randomly going around wanting to acquire companies or something. I'm not like a hedge fund. I'm not a hedge fund or a private equity firm or something. So, um, in fact, the, the only two. Uh, publicly traded securities I own are Tesla and Twitter. That's it. So, um, and I think in the case of Twitter, since I use it a lot, um, shoot myself in the foot a lot, you know, uh, dig my grave, etc. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's, I, I do understand the product quite well, so I think I've got a good sense of, of where, to, where to point the engineering team uh, Twitter to make it radically better, um, and um, I, I, I do. I, I do sort of have a well, like a grander vision for what I thought X dot com or X Corporation could have been back in the day. Um, it's, it's a pretty pretty grand vision, and now obviously that could be started from scratch or. But I think Twitter would help accelerate that by three to five years. Um, so it's kind of like something I, I thought would be quite useful. Okay, he goes on a little bit more here on Twitter um, and, his, and his thoughts on Twitter and, and the future of potential future of X.com or the X Corporation. But I, I cut it out because he, he's more wandering and pontificating. And I'm the only person that can do that on this show. I'm, I'm not going to allow Elon to do that. Um, otherwise you guys wouldn't need me. But, uh, one of the things that since uh, one of the thing, okay, I'm not frustrated by this. I know it sounds like I'm frustrated, but one of the things that concerns me about Elon potentially buying Twitter, and honestly, I don't care if he does or he doesn't, but he has these grand plans to make it better. And my question is, is that just going to make it better for him? Or is that going to make it better for him and another select group of people that think the way that he thinks and not everybody else? Like the, I honestly don't know. It could be better. It couldn't be better. I don't really care. Twitter is a necessarily uh, evil that I do for this show. Beyond that, I I really don't enjoy Twitter all that much. Uh, like if I stopped using it, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me. But yeah, and it sounds like, you know, there is no succession plan for Elon at the moment. Uh, good afternoon, Elon. Um, I think 
Many people share my experience. I gave you, and, or at least Tesla, my complete family's legacy because I believed in it. And thank you for you and your company outperforming. I think you saved a lot of us. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So my question is this. Uh, commercial aircraft have something called ACAS, where aircraft relate telemetry of their position between one another to a permanent collision. Yeah, sometimes too much telemetry. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, taking this to a higher level, do you see Teslas communicating with one another, with one another, and Dojo turning into some kind of ultimate air traffic control for Tesla supply chains and robotaxi? Thank Ooh. you. Actually, that's an interesting idea. I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, right now, our goal with Dojo is just to be really good at video training. Um, so, we, we actually already have, I think, the maybe the fourth, and maybe approaching the third uh, most powerful computing. Uh, center in the world for, for uh, AI training. Um, yeah, I think it might be third at this point, which obviously uses just an enormous number of GPUs and stuff. So, um, so our, our, our first goal with, with Dojo is to make it competitive uh, and, and, and be, be more effective at neural net training than a whole bunch of GPUs. Um, and uh, we might, you know, might get there soonish. Um, and, and then, of course, it can be used for many other uh, neural net training tasks. Um, it's, a, it's a fundamentally, it's a computer designed from the ground up to be optimized for neural net training, which, which really no computer has, no, that's never been done before. Um, and yeah, so, and, and then maybe it'll do just traffic control. I haven't really thought of that. Um, the, the Tesla's probably, there'll be some merits to communicating, for, for Tesla's to communicate to each other, but, but that won't be needed for full self-driving at all. Um, and for, for, long, for a long time, the, the vast majority of, the, of cars on the road will be manually driven, so the, the value of Tesla-to-Tesla -Tesla communication is, is not that high, except for perhaps communicating uh, traffic issues uh, or you know, accidents, potholes, uh, things that may be helpful to um, the road closures and that kind of thing. Um, so it's like you're getting real-time, a Tesla ahead of you has got, seen a road closure, and you get that real-time updated to your car so you don't get stuck in the road closure situation. Um, that's, that's the kind of stuff that I think we, we, we definitely, we are, we are working on right now. So. All right. Uh, this was the last question, so we're going to wrap it up here. But before we do that, I just have one, uh, a couple of comments real quick. First of all, please don't invest 100% of your family's legacy in just one or a few companies, because I would hate to see anybody, even people that I don't necessarily care for, I would hate to see them lose large sums of money because they invested in one company and didn't diversify. Like, I am not a financial advisor. Please, you know, don't. Don't uh, don't take anything that I say and and put money on it. If I say I really like this company, please don't invest in that company because I know nothing. I'm a chucklehead that that has a a mic in his basement. Like um, yeah, and fortunately for this gentleman at this point anyway, to this point anyway, uh, Tesla's done really well, and hopefully he's made a ton of money. And hopefully he's pulling that money out and reinvesting it into something that's a little bit more diverse. So just in case. Tesla takes a fall. He does not 
uh, and his family does not uh, lose a bunch of money because I would real, feel really terrible if that were to happen. On the other side, as far as this aircraft traffic controller idea, I don't know that that's necessary just because, you know, full self-driving does a, a pretty good job at this stuff already. Um, and it's only going to get better. When I say pretty good job, I mean, you know, all things considered, it's not perfect, far from perfect. But I think um, the things that Elon talked about, like, you know, traffic, construction, debris in the road, um, possibly a car that's broken down in the middle of the road, having those kind of alerts, Waze does the same thing. And you can get some of the stuff, I think, in Apple Maps will, if it sees a delay, it'll it'll ask if you want to reroute and that kind of thing. Um, I think this is perfectly legit to put this kind of stuff and more if you can, you know, get that information into uh, Tesla's navigation system. That makes total sense. All right, everybody. Uh, this was a two plus hour shareholder meeting or right around two hour shareholder meeting. We got it done in about a minute. I mean, hour and 10 minutes. Excuse me. I'm, I'm starting to lose it. It's it's late. It is uh, 1030 on a Saturday night. I want to thank you all for hanging out and listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, next week, if um, if we don't have a lot of news next week, I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, Fisker Motors earnings call. If we do have news, then uh, we'll do the Fisker earnings call next uh, time, which will probably be sometime at the end of September. Did I do that right? No, sometime at the end of October. So hope everybody had a wonderful week. Uh, evidently, my wife can't. My wife can't wait to to print. She thinks I've been here long enough. So if you hear the printer in the background, that's where that's coming from. Anyway, uh, I hope everybody has a great week. You can email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. Uh, and yeah, everyone, again, because I repeat myself a lot, have a wonderful week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.